Just look for the thing. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined once again by Wrestling Inc.'s own Raj Geary and back by popular demand, TNA WWE superstar Matt Morgan. Matt, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back, guys. It's uh, very exciting to make this a regular thing, you know. So thanks to all the fans that watch and commented on all the social media. Keep sending us your love, guys. Let us know we're doing uh, certain things right. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, and thanks for being here. It's great to have you uh, on board. Um, so a lot to talk about tonight. The second WWE Raw, the Monday Night Raw of the new era post-draft. Uh, we're going to talk about everything that happened from uh, Sasha Banks and Charlotte. Going to go over uh, Brock Lesnar coming back, of course, at the end of the show. Seth Rollins versus Sami Zayn. Uh, everything that happened in between Titus O'Neil versus Darren Young. Uh, there was some new stuff, some old stuff, a little of this, a little of that. And we're going to jump into it all on this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, first, just want to give you a quick uh, mention that this episode is brought to you by our friends at Host Papa. HostPapa's powerful web hosting solutions and cloud-based productivity tools are perfect for small business owners, digital entrepreneurs, and freelancers. Go to HostPapa.com wrestling and use our exclusive promo code wrestling to save 15% off their shared web hosting packages. That's HostPapa.com wrestling. That being said, let's get right to the show. Uh, broad view over thoughts. Raj, give me in a few words your thoughts on the night. I, I didn't think it was bad. I thought it, I just thought it was kind of dull. It just felt like uh, you know after a hot week last week they kind of fell back into their they they fell back into their uh, same pattern. So uh, it just it, it the show didn't do all that much for me. And Matt, I definitely a tough act to follow from last week. You know, um, I didn't expect it to be better than, that, than last week's. Obviously, they set the bar so high. But there were some uh, redeeming qualities in the show, obviously. There's some really good matches, um, very, very sound psycho, uh, psychology-style matches that I like. Um, the, the, some of the stories were driven forward, obviously. Um, and then there was some filler. There was a little bit more filler this week, I thought, and uh, I'm sure we'll get into that match by match as we go. No, definitely. I mean, I thought it was very interesting seeing uh, you know the second Monday Night Raw of the new era. Uh, and I have to say, and I don't necessarily mean this entirely as a bad thing, but to me this felt like a three-hour episode of SmackDown of the old era in terms of some of the, uh, the recaps and the repetition of what they did from last week's Monday Night Raw and then some of the sort of off-the-wall, you know, interesting pairings that felt like, oh, what the hell, let's throw it out there, see if it sticks. But I'm really anxious to go with you guys match by match on this and talk about what worked and what didn't. Let's start off with Sasha Banks coming out to the ring as the WWE Women's Champion. First note that I made, Sasha is small because that belt looks incredibly large on her. Uh, <laughs> came out to the ring and, of course, was confronted by Charlotte after saying a few words. Uh, my first question, and Raj, we could segue this into your, your thoughts on the segment as a whole and what happened, but when's the last time a women's, uh, women's division segment opened Raw? It's, it's been a while. Yeah, I can't. I can't even think of the last time. And and I think you know Sasha. She seemed a little nervous during this, and I think that's part of the reason what what you just said. They really haven't been given much time to do promos on the show, at least live in front of the crowd. You know, they'll they'll do them backstage. Uh, so she seemed a little nervous. Uh, she flubbed a couple lines here and there, but you know, she had a great great line with Ric Flair in the one night stands. But uh, it uh, you know it it was it was fine for what it was. 
Yeah, it was interesting. And, and to, to your point about that, and Matt, we can uh, go with you for from what happened there. I, I think so. Chris Jericho came out, uh, you know, told them to be quiet, got on Charlotte's side. Enzo came out, hit on Sasha, and there was a nice little uh, four-way promo off between them. Um, uh, I think in part that might have been, Raj, to your point, how they were sort of uh, um, compensating maybe for, you know, Sasha and Charlotte's lacking of polished mic skills by bringing Jericho and Enzo out there. But, Matt, what did you think about that direction of pairing them up? I, th- I liked it, actually. I was, I was actually entertained by it. Um, Sasha, you know, say, there's definitely a little bit in there. She was a little bit, you could see her nerves or whatnot. But there's one thing that, that, that just beamed through my TV screen, and that was the organicness of her excitement, um, of her gratitude for the fans' reaction to her being their champion. She takes that very serious, you could tell, and it just it just reeks through her pores. You, you, could, you, could, you get that vibe, you get that feeling. She is an organic babyface. That's a great example of an organic babyface, not trying to act the part, but being the part. Um, but again, I, I liked it. You know, uh, Charlotte, she's my girl and all, but uh, she, you know, there's a couple times in there where She's still feeling her own out there as far as her character is concerned. And there's a couple times where, where she's still timing-wise stepping on some lines here and there of the other people. But you know what? I'll, I respect that more than holding back on the mic. I'd rather, have, I'd rather be reeled back than, than, than say, what if I should have said this or I should have done that, even for timing purposes. All of those types of those timing issues that she might have once in a while on the mic – they're all well worth it because that's we're watching uh, the metamorphosis, the change, the growth of uh, Charlotte. So I, I was I watched this a lot deeper than most fans probably are, and um, I liked it. And I loved the pairing with with uh, the two men coming out there and joining it. Uh, you know, Y2J absolutely killed it and stole that segment. I thought he was hilarious. Um, Enzo, it gets a little long. It gets a little long-winded in my opinion, and uh, he's awesome on the mic. He is magic on the mic. He's got charisma coming out of his you-know-what. He is money on the mic. Um, but that said, still too much isn't always, isn't always good. Sometimes a little, you know, a little bit less would have been better for him tonight, I felt. Yeah, it was nice uh, seeing Sasha almost breaking there, that genuine smile and laugh when Enzo was hitting on her. I mean, you could tell she kind of broke there for a minute. And it was just great. I mean, yeah. for me, that's what I love about Sasha is when she just can't contain that smile. I mean, you're absolutely right. Yes. It's, I mean, she, she's a great heel. She's a great heel, but her baby face qualities shine through when she's, you know, in the moment. Raj, what were you going to say? Um, I, I think just Chris Jericho and Enzo have just set the bar so high on the mic that um, – I, I think I was just expecting a lot from this segment when you know when Jericho you know when Enzo came out and Jericho was in there. I, I thought yeah, it's kind of what Matt said. I just felt like it went a little long, and I thought it kind of fell flat for for an Enzo segment. For as flat as an Enzo segment can you know fall flat, um, yeah. I, it, it just it just didn't seem like it, it got to where it needed to go. But uh, yeah, um, I, I thought it was it was still entertaining, and I liked that the first half hour. Uh, didn't have a McMahon or you know any authority figure, so I thought that was a, a good welcome change. Um, it's interesting. So, so this led, of course, to the first mixed gender tag match. Uh, I, do you, Raj? Do you recall when the last mixed gender tag match on Raw was? It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, I can't. I can't think of the last time. Yeah, and uh, it was interesting. I mean, um, 
us, uh, Charlotte ended up getting the pin on Sasha. Jericho attacked Enzo. Big cast came out. And throughout the evening, I mean, we could jump a little ahead with what happened there. Um, they seemed like they're setting it up now where... Uh, well, Chris Jericho cut a fantastic promo towards the end of the show talking about, you know, who was going to have his back since Cass had Enzo's back, uh, completing yeah. with a repeat of that great gag that uh, Chris did in the, the build-up to Money in the Bank, talking about how he won Money in the Bank once and Apple, Apple, Appleton. Uh, this time, I, I did not write down the name of his fictional uh, strongest man, what was it, <laughs> uh, West of Alberta. Uh, but then Kevin Owens came out, so it looks like they're, they're setting up now. Uh, they could go in a couple different directions with this. They could keep it going with having Enzo with Sasha, they could uh, keep running Jericho with Charlotte, and then at the same time they could have Jericho and Kevin Owens taking on Enzo and Cass. Uh, Matt, what do you think about the potential of you know either of those storylines or pairings going forward? I love Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is my favorite superstar to watch. He every time. You give him a little morsel of TV time, he explodes it. You give him a minute, he turns it somehow into five minutes worth of magic. He's awesome. He's entertaining, he's funny, but yet he holds his heat. And yet he also, when he comes out, he gets in a, a massive reaction. Um, I, I don't know what else he needs to do to, to, to be in the main event consistently because he hits it across all the board for me uh, of all the categories that I look at, you know, and, and the superstar being a main event caliber talent. Um, so anything with him I, I'm in love with. Anything that he's on, I love. Um, so I, that segment with Jericho was awesome. It was hilarious, and it, and it played to Kevin's strengths. It was, it was just well done. Oh, definitely, Raj. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. I I think the the pairing of Jericho and and Kevin Owens has you know could be gold. I think that could be that could be money. And and yeah, Owens was just great tonight. I'd like to see him. You know, I wish they had him a little bit higher up on the totem pole. You know, yeah, it's kind of he's kind of an afterthought. It feels like right now, but um. But yeah, I, I still thought you know he definitely made use of every time he was on screen, and I thought he was great. The one thing I didn't like about the, this match at the beginning is you already have Sasha getting pinned. I'm just not a big fan of you know yeah. people just winning the title and they're already you know already losing. You know, establish him a little bit. You could have done the same angle without you know having to have her get beat. And especially Charlotte, I don't mean to cut in, but especially Charlotte. Charlotte is is beating everybody. If anybody can can take a loss right now and still recover, even back-to-back -back losses, it is Charlotte because she is that manufactured as a superstar. You know, right now she's so ingrained as a top, the top-flight woman of that division right now. So she can get away with losing and still get her heat back. Yeah, yeah. You still have a, you know, you still have a couple of weeks to do SummerSlam. So you know, to build SummerSlam, you don't need to do the, you know, Charlotte beating the champ right away. So. Um, but other than that, you know, I thought I thought everything else was good. What do you think about? I mean, do you think they're going to run with this Enzo Sasha angle for a little bit? I, I was really worried at first, like, oh no, they're splitting him up. Here comes Enzo becoming Sasha's manager. Like I wrote down, I was like, this storyline could end up being great or a complete disaster. Uh, I was glad to see where it went from there. But do, do you think? I mean, would either of you like to see that pairing continue? I thought it was kind of interesting to see Enzo uh, kind of doing shades of what he did with Carmella initially. Mm. You know what? I, I I I like the pairing first of all with with Big Cass. Okay, I do. Yeah. I though that said, although said that said, I enjoy Enzo so much. I would like to see him by himself. Um, I know the way Vince kind of thinks and books, and it 
Big Cass is always going to be the one he sees as the bigger star, which he shouldn't. Cass is awesome, and he's going to be. He's going to keep developing. He's going to be a huge star. Um, that said, Enzo right now is money, and you need to ride the Enzo bus all the way to the finish line and collect that money because he's ready right now, especially on the mic. And anything that he's in, whether it's with, um, you know, you said recreating the Carmella type of gimmick that they were doing together in NXT, so be it. At least he's, I'd like to see him by himself more. Um, yeah. He can definitely hold his own. He can get whoever he's doing a promo with over in the process, which is very rare, especially somebody so young and so new. That kid has got so much potential. God. Yeah, and I, I felt like it, it seemed more like it, it was just meant for entertainment and that... Uh, this was really meant to jumpstart Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens against Big Cass and and uh, Enzo, and they just did it as a way without having to do that match. You know, because they started like three feuds tonight, and with all of them, they started it with a match that had a clean finish. Um, so <laughs> yeah. anyway, uh, yeah. So th- that's what it seemed like to me. I think they're they're building Big Cass and and Enzo against Jericho. No, and that's great. So. I'm absolutely think that's you know. I, I look forward to seeing that. And when, you know, Jericho and uh, Owens did team together a few times early in the year. I mean, they had just, you know, hilarious especially. stuff. Yeah, hilarious absolutely. Stuff it's comic gold when those two are together. Um, so, yeah, that match was an interesting way to kick it off. I thought all in all it was good, but I didn't know that it needed to be quite as long as it was. That's my only gripe is that it seemed like it went a little little long with uh, just the, the development and the segments and everything. Um, so we went from that, uh, came back and went to Braun Strowman versus Evan Anderholm. And uh, this is you know a variation on what we saw last week with Byron interviewing uh, Evan before the match started. So this gimmick is exactly you know what we sort of called it as with uh, we're going to have Strowman come out and establish dominance again and again. Do you guys like this feature, and I guess we should maybe pair this with what they did with Nia Jax, which was essentially the female equivalent. Um, are you both? In, uh, what did you think, and are you in favor of them continuing this from town to town for the forthcoming weeks? You want me to take it first? Uh, yeah, um, Matt. I, let's first of all let's get one glaring thing out of the way right now. That is that reverse choke slam that yours truly originated. That's my <laughs> move, first and foremost. I am um, the first person to ever do that on TV. I would use that as the as a the heat spot though. So in his defense, at least he's using it as a finish. I would take the guy and I'd set up for the you know, Colbert choke slam, clip the guy in the back of his neck, and then feed him and then feed it to him, but have him hit the top turnbuckle and feed into something else. I treat it like a combo move. Um, but uh, so that said, I love the guy because he's using my stuff. I'm not mad at him <laughs> for it. Um, that said. Um, he looked like a monster out there. I loved his look. I loved everything about what he was doing in there. People are probably be like, oh, come on, it's paid by the numbers. It's so simple. That's all it needs to be. <laughs> that break in the show of when that match was put out there was perfectly timed. Um, if you look where it was sandwiched in between, it was perfect. And he, he still, he's still feeling himself out, out there. He's still, you could see when he looks to the hard camera, he's still... T- I don't want to say talking to himself, but you can still see he's getting more and more comfortable. But um, there's stuff that you just can't. Vince once told me, guys are guys my size, when we make a mistake, it's so humongous. It could be the littlest thing that somebody smaller than us can get away with and cover it up with a quick move or something like that. But when a bigger guy does it, even the look in our face to the hard camera, it is so, it's, it's a big, big 
deer in the headlights look at times, if you will. And I thought he had that a very, very, very few times tonight, and he's having it less and less and less, which means he is getting better. And he's he looked like an animal out there, I thought. I mean, I, for what it's worth, if I was a kid, I'd be looking at him going, Dad, holy mackerel, I want to look like that when I grow up. That guy is a beast. <laughs> is it just me, or is it hard to take him seriously after there's that, that growling in the entrance music? I mean, I feel like that just takes <laughs> well, away from it. <laughs> well, what about the fact that he was Adam Rose's uh, rosebud for for the longest time too? <laughs> I, I wondered how they were going to come past get 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 him past that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, growling aside, the, uh, you know, I was I'm kind of one. I fall into that camp where I just felt like they did the same exact thing, you know, with him and Nia Jax. You know, what I thought would have been funny is if they had the guy from last week. I'm forgetting the guy's name. Oh yeah, the no chin guy. Yeah, he was hilarious. If they had him back and he had a partner this week to get, you know, Strowman, and then Strowman destroys two guys. So at least yeah. you're you're changing it a little bit, but it's still your squash match. But, uh, you know, it's not the same exact thing. But um, oh, Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Raj. That would actually be monster. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't choose someone on the roster for that and just bring him back every week to lose for Strowman. But in the pre-interview, be like, no, but I have a plan this week. I reviewed the tape, you know, and then just have him build it up for like three minutes and then just get squashed in a minute. Uh, but I'm a fan of the setup. I like tonight how they interviewed the guy ahead of time, talked about the money and if he could last. I think if they do the setup interesting enough, then I, I don't I don't care about the outcome. It could be the same punchline if the setup to the joke is different each time. Yeah, I, I, I find I, that funny. Yeah, I agree, and I love that the fact that he said like I get a thousand dollars to wrestle and five thousand to win because then it gives a, you know a reason, a good reason for him being out there. So I, I thought that was good. Yeah, absolutely. And with uh, you know, we'll talk about Nia when we get to it. Although you know, I really, for me, I thought very, very similar beats. That's my, and that's really my only critique. Um, you know, in fact, tonight I have to say, last week, you know, Matt, I know you advocated for why there needs to be these type of squash matches to establish what a monster someone is. And tonight, seeing how they're doing it with a different setup of the same ending, I completely did a 180. I'm in favor of this now because I like as long as we get that different setup, it works. It's not just the exact same thing each time. Um, other, there's other ways to do this, guys. I'm going to cut you yeah. off. But there's other no, ways to do this. They could be doing, like, they used to do it with Brock, where Brock would be backstage doing pull-ups, like, in this ridiculous boiler room with the stairs, like, like 10 feet up in the air. So how the hell did he jump up to grab it, first of all? Second of all, he's just ripping them out one by one by one, the whole beat of the three-minute promo, um, and does stop. Like, things like that, especially with Strowman, because he is a, a strong man. Like, that's his, that was his real-life gimmick, to my understanding. Have him do those Mark Henry-ish without them silly, okay? Can't be. Hey, but... hey. Oh, we might have lost. Hi, Matt. We, we lost you there for a second. No, it's still Frozen Rush. Between squash matches and some sort of feat of strength backstage yeah, to I show heard. him, you know? Oh, there we go. Now I got everyone back. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, where there was a, a, a momentary uh, lapse there for a second. Yeah. Were you able to hear what I said? Or? Said, you were talking about uh, doing a vignette, like a backstage uh, segment yeah, or something just, to build them up. Just, yeah, you can do two. Instead of just doing the standard squash match every single week, it's going to get old. You, 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 you have them backstage. You have them do some sort of feat of strength. It doesn't have to be a vignette. It could be him live. Um Mark Henry-esque, without it being mm -hmm. campy and silly. Um, he was a strong man. That was his gimmick in real life, uh, Braun. So showcase that. Play to his strength, 
hide his weaknesses. You don't have to showcase him in the ring every single week because it's just going to lead to him exposing himself. It's in certain glimpses that I, I wouldn't even bother chancing. Right. And, and, and one thing before this match, they, they showed that they had that Teen Choice Award. Uh, uh, <laughs> they, they didn't mention John Cena in that, did they? I, I think they just they just uh, mentioned uh, the Bella Twins. It was just the Bellas. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting because he he hosted the show and there wasn't one reference that's of him on that. That's probably why. Who knows? You know, it's a work anyway. <laughs> but, Dude, uh, there's no way. They're, I'm sorry. The Bellas are not beating uh, uh, Ronda Rousey. Sorry. Serena no. Williams. <laughs> Come on. Let's be real. Uh, you know, Total Divas is a very popular show. I know I've expressed this on the podcast everybody watches before. it. With, with yeah. You're right. Though? Is it I, popular with teens? I run into people all the time, and you know what I want to talk about? Professional wrestling, the WWE and the NXT, and nine times out of ten what I hear is, oh, I watched that Total Divas show. It's great. You should check it out. That, isn't like, it usually women? Until she mean, will... No. Men, it's it's not only it's also boyfriends, husbands, and uh, yeah, I've, I've run into people all the time who do not watch the main product. But, but that, real quick, let's be honest. Yeah. Let's, let's really... Let's yeah. release let's apples, apples here. Let's compare, please. That's a great show. Everybody watches it. It's super popular. Like Just like you said, same with my friends and family as well. They all watch the Divas show. But come on. Before Rousey lost, nobody was as white hot as that girl. Oh, yeah. Nobody. Everybody knew who she was. They were talking about her. She was everywhere. It's not even debatable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, it is it is pretty you know ridiculous that they and plus it's two they of them you know choice athletes yes. you know it's, it's a two. work. <laughs> <laughs> now I can say well uh, so going uh, from that after uh, we had a Strowman squash match we had a new streak developing and that's uh, Pokemon Go references once again <laughs> this time our truth I mean how many weeks in a row just uh, like uh, you know so our truth was playing. Pokemon Go, Goldust is like, hey, Golden Truth has to go out there and rock it, man. And Truth is just so preoccupied. Their match against the Shining Stars, I know I was on the edge of my seat just wondering who was going to win this match. Uh, once again, R-Truth distracted playing Pokemon Go in the corner. They really like to just take the joke and keep it like they commit, and I respect that. Um, so, of course, that cost them the match. The Shining Stars picked up the win. Um Raj, to you first, anything to say about the match and your prediction for how many more episodes they're going to just run that Pokemon Go thing into the ground? Gosh, I, I thought they already did. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I know, I know, Glenn, you played it. I mean, does it come across as funny? Like, this, uh, it's getting, no, it's just a little passe, honestly. I mean, like, I still play it occasionally, but everyone that I know, like, above a certain age has sort of moved on. I think that the target Pokemon demographic is still really hardcore about it, but, you know, there's going to be a new app in a week or two, and the mainstream will be talking about that. You know, yeah. this is like one of those segments where if I had my friends over, this was this would be one of those segments <laughs> where they're like, "How can you watch this?" You know, <laughs> you know when you get crap for watching wrestling, this is the kind of segment that gets people saying that. Um, it, analyzing what this was, though, Raj, um, this was obviously it is what it is. This was just a way for the Shine Stars to get a win so they can be fed to whomever they're about to be fed to. Well, I think they're being fed the golden truth. I think this is going to be the feud going forward. And so, you, oh. you know, again, this is the first example. You're starting the feud with a match uh, that has a winner. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, we got golden truth and shining stars at least for probably a, another month or so. 
I'm not watching main event, though. I should throw that out there. So if that's what's happening on that show, I have no clue about it. I watched I Superstars and main event this week, and no, no, it wasn't even on that. They saved it for Monday Night okay. Raw, Matt. They were like, we okay. know Matt's going to be watching Raw, and he needs to see the Shining Stars get their hard-earned yes. victory. Um, what, I mean, just I know I rag on the Shining Stars. It's kind of becoming a running thing. But here's the thing. Golden Truth is kind of a horrible gimmick, but it's so horrible that I freaking love it. Like, I love the... I, like, I want to buy the shirt, except I would never wear that shirt anywhere. But, uh, you know, when the theme song comes on, I'm like, I'm kind of into this in a weird way. Um, but the Shining Stars, I mean, what? They love Puerto Rico, man. Like, that's... That's their thing, but uh, is there something I'm missing in the Shining Stars? I don't, get, I don't get why it's villainous whatsoever to to love Puerto Rico, but apparently <laughs> yeah. in the creative team's eyes it is. I, I don't get it, but whatever. And that's why I don't think the people get it. You, that's why you just hear silence. It's not like, I mean, they didn't even get an entrance tonight. I mean, they got the yeah. jobber entrance where they were just waiting in the ring, uh, but they still got a win, so you know that's that's good for them. I mean, Matt, you knew once, you know, we're close enough to Vince to have an idea what goes on in his mind. Did, did maybe, like, a friend of his go to Puerto Rico and come back? And we're just like, oh, it's so exotic. It's crazy. And Vince is like, yes, that's where they're going to – Puerto Rico, that's all we need. It's exotic and mysterious. We, we, this is a horrible analogy to use, but when Kurt Angle first got there, he was shoving I'm an Olympic gold medalist down everybody's throat to the point where people were just regurgitating it back. They were, yeah. People don't want to be the, – the psychology they're using, you guys already know, but for the fans watching, is you jam something down somebody's throat enough and brag about it, they're going to boo you. That's the goal. But you don't do it about, you know, where you're from. I mean, nobody really <laughs> boos. If I kept coming out bragging about being from Detroit or Connecticut or where, nobody's going to boo me for that. That's so lame. All right. Yeah, it's just uh, I I but no you're 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 right though with main event or, uh it is a main event caliber feud but no it was a centerpiece of Monday Night Raw. Um so we went from that to uh, an abbreviated Michael Cole interview with Finn Balor talking about his uh, match at SummerSlam against Seth Rollins for the newly created WWE Universal Championship and of course the interview was interrupted by Seth Rollins and we had a segment between the two. Uh Matt, we'll go to you first. I mean, what did you what did you think of the segment and the heat between these two on how they're setting up their showdown at SummerSlam? There, I, I thought it served his purpose. I thought Rollins, anytime he starts talking about himself and how good he is, holy crap, is he believable? He believes every word he says. He believes he's the man. I like that. I love that about him. I love that about his promos. At first, that annoying laugh used to drive me nuts, but that's what it's designed to do. So, hook, line, and sinker. Um, hence, him being the heel, right? Um, but I digress. It, it's 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 going to be a phenomenal match, and the setup for it. They could have done a million other things, obviously, to get some real steam going, but they've got time to build to that still. You know, this was just an introduction of Seth, the man, coming out. And at first, if you paid attention, he was putting. Um, Finn over, you know, which is yeah. rare for Rollins to do. So that was the main objective earlier on in that promo when they when they wrote it that way, um, to, to give Finn that respect, um, as the announcers did as well. Um, so overall, I thought it did its job. I would have liked to have heard Finn speak a little more, but, you know, it served its purpose. Yeah, see, I, I kind of I disagree. I feel, like, I feel like it hurt Finn. Like, I felt like it, it, it brought the match at SummerSlam down a notch because... Finn got gets cut off like you know in his second sentence, and just Seth Rollins pretty much takes control of the promo, and uh, 
Finn mm-hmm. seemed a little nervous. I just thought, like, in this particular segment on this night, Seth Rollins just seemed like a much bigger star. And when Finn Balor is this guy that you're trying to make as, like, this new hot star that's challenging for the title, I mm-hmm. thought he, he came down a bit uh, from where he was last week. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I, I just thought that it, it kind of defeated the purpose and just made – I mean, Rollins was great, but I thought he, he, he just outshined Finn in, it, you know, his first promo. It, it, it's it, because it was his first promo. He should he shouldn't have been cut off. He should have been allowed to speak. The problem though is that's what they're saying as they're writing it. Right? They're like, we're gonna let him speak. You know what would be great? Let's cut him off in his first promo. You know what kind of heat he's gonna get for that? And that's that's their logic. Um, and it did get heat. But um, I just didn't think it was a time or place for it. It should have let, let him talk, let him, let him show some of that passion because he's another one. When he starts going on with his passion to be the best, like when he was talking about the draft uh, online, I saw it, I believe, on WWE Network. I saw uh, a quick interview with him during the draft where he was legitimately, like he didn't like the fact that he wasn't the number one overall pick, period, uh, Finn. I was impressed with that. That was ballsy. That was a ballsy thing to say. And I believe he believes that he's the best, and he should have, and he deserves that. They need to put him in that context, in an athletic context, to talk about an athletic contest. That's that's my opinion. And and, and kind of back to what Vince was saying on you know our post pay per view podcast about not building the guys up to the general audience before they came out. You know, some crowds, especially on the coast, big cities, you get a big NXT contingent in there who'll pop big for them. Uh, the Atlanta crowd didn't seem like it had too many NXT marks in there, and so uh, he kind of got a cold reaction. They actually booed him during this promo. So I just, I just think like you, you know, when you're you're serving to the NXT fan base, uh, that's not in every town, and so it's probably better in the long run to build these stars up a little more before you know debuting them. You know, either using vignettes, at least some guys. You don't have to do it for every single person, but. I just, I just thought it showed tonight that a lot of guys didn't know who Finn was, and, and it, it, they didn't react to him like a top guy. He, definitely, that you're absolutely right. The, the part about booing, though, if you go back and watch, it, it was more so because Rollins was, 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 was saying his name. Rollins was the one saying, Finn Balor. They're booing because, because he's being sarcastic. Um, when Finn was speaking, they were definitely not booing him. Um, but they were not popping for him like they normally do either. Instead of the yes chance, those should have been Finn chance. That's like they normally would be when he when he said he'd hand him his ass. They should have fast forward that promo, and that should have been Finn's. Like if you're not gonna let him talk, fine. Then let that be all he says. That would have been so much stronger. It would have been way stronger exclamation mark on it. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, I think that the ending was interesting. Um, I liked Balor was really smooth with that almost like self-defense reaction to Rollins swinging at him. I, that, that was one thing I really liked. And they re- so much so I noticed, I don't know if you guys noticed, uh, they replayed that clip of Rollins' little like turnaround kick maneuver. Like, I mean, it was very, very smoothly executed. It looked uh, convincing to me into the, the back, uh, was it the drop uh, reverse flying kick? Uh, move oh, that yeah. he did. You I mean, know, I thought that was really nice. This match would really be fantastic. Right. You know, like uh, God, just yeah. the just the the ability alone with these two guys makes the match exciting. I just hope that creatively they could uh, they could you know give it its just due and you know add to it as opposed to take away from it. And here's the good part: regardless of the finish, okay, this match is going to be awesome. You know, regardless of the finish, it, it's going to be phenomenal. 
No, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm really, really looking forward to that at SummerSlam. Um, so after that, we went to Mark Henry being put up in a match for the U.S. title against Rusev. And uh, it was interesting. Uh, Raj, what, what did you think of the match? Uh, not only how it built up and how it finished, which I guess we should talk about, uh, you know, maybe separately what happened at the very end of the match. But what did you think of just a Mark Henry going up against Rusev? To me, it seemed like maybe they were setting something up with him being their ambassador to the Olympics. So maybe they will put the U.S. title on him, albeit temporarily, because that would be really good PR. But that, of course, is not what happened. But uh, Raj, what did you think of the matchup, matchup itself? Yeah, well, they kind of already did that angle. Remember where they had Mark Henry as the American hero, like coming with the flag, like going to face Rusev, and then Rusev destroyed him? Uh, so, <laughs> so I don't know if it would have worked long term again. Uh, real quick, they, they had the backstage segment with Mark Henry and Stephanie and, and Mick Foley earlier in the show. And was anyone else surprised that Stephanie didn't emasculate uh, Mark Henry or anyone in that segment? <laughs> That's like that the was first the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's a new era. Right? I was just waiting for her to say, like, you suck, and you're, you know, get out of here. But <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> or just Why slap him randomly. But, uh, yeah. but, yeah, you know, I thought, I mean, this match was to get Rusev over, and, you know, say what you want about Roman. Uh, they are bringing him down to peg, and yep. but th I think this is a good spot for him. I think it's good to kind of take him off the top right now. Uh, help rebuild him. I still think he should be a heel. I think, I think we all kind of agree on that. Um, but maybe they felt like Rusev, you know, is, is, is such a bad heel that the fans will cheer Roman. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's your, that's, I, I think that's a good direction. So I think we got our SummerSlam match. I think it's going to be Rusev and Roman is what it looks like. Speaking on Roman, um, you nailed it right there. That's exactly what the same thing I was just going to say. Um, so much of his... A lot, a, a lot of his uh, heat, I should say, that he gets from the crowd... It is we know what it is. It's from them trying to take a square peg and ram it through a circular hole. Is what the fans take take that as. That's their perception that they're being he's being forced down their throat. So because he's being pushed down a peg, if you will, on the card, if they're gonna keep trying with you know trying with him as a babyface, maybe this is the best course for him because some of that heat should be alleviated as the weeks pass on because he's not in that John Cena being shoved down their throat babyface spot anymore. Yeah, I you know I wrote down uh, my thought to it, and what I was surprised with it was you know welcome to the undercard, Roman. Like you're you're working your way down. Uh, but I think he could very easily end up uh, winning that belt at SummerSlam if mm -hmm. he's redeemed maybe in the eyes of Vince and Creative. Um, so we're gonna get to the rest of Monday Night Raw in a second. But first, I want to take a moment and tell you about a sponsor of this episode, Host Papa. If you run a business, if you run a fan site, if you do anything that requires having a presence on the web. Who you choose as a web host is incredibly important. God, I went through at least three different ones before settling on one that was right for me. And when you look at everything you need to get your presence on the web, it's not just about setting up the website. It's also about getting your email up and running, making sure you've got backups installed, making sure you've got security against attacks, make sure you have the cloud-based productivity tools that you need to get your work done. Host Papa has you covered. They have all-in-one solutions with an array of everything you need, not only to make an awesome website, but to run your business online. They are the best web host for small business. They have affordable pricing and award-winning support available via chat, phone, or email 24-7-365. And shared hosting accounts start as low as $3.95 per month, and they'll even throw in a domain for free. There's no risk because HostPapa offers an unconditional 30-day money-back guarantee. If you got your site hosted elsewhere, they'll even help you migrate it over for free. 
Here's what we want you to do. Visit hostpapa.com slash wrestling to check out what our friends at Host Papa have to offer. And because they're fans of this podcast, they're offering our listeners an exclusive 15% off new shared hosting accounts. Just enter our code wrestling at checkout for a 15% discount. That's hostpapa.com slash wrestling. Use the code wrestling to get 15% off their powerful, reliable suite of web hosting for small business owners, hostpapa.com. So, uh, with the rest of Raw, uh, after Rusev, we had, oh my god, uh, the primetime players facing off against one, one another with uh, Titus O'Neil versus Darren Young. Uh, Matt, what do you think of this angle? Of uh, Does it seem like it's building towards a storyline of them going up against each other now? Yeah, but it's, again, it's another one of those light, I don't want to call it filler in... in, in but it, it kind of is, uh, unfortunately. You know, no matter what way you want to slice it. Again, it's just the bread bookending, if you will, the meat of the sandwich, which is the rest of the the majority of what we saw tonight, uh, storyline-wise. Um, definitely, in my opinion, it's just filler. I don't really think it matters, but that's <laughs> that's my opinion. I, I, I'm not thrilled by it one way or another. I was digging the whole Darren storyline, you know. Um, I, I just hope that they do actually do something with this and it does move forward and it progresses. It doesn't stay at the same level. That's the problem. They always have these things, these storylines that they start with, with, with some mid-card guys, sorry, mid-card um, booked guys, I should say, um, where they keep them down there. You know what I mean? If you're going to do something with somebody, then start to progress it if it starts to catch fire. The only way it's going to catch fire is if you give them a legitimate opportunity. Having them face guys that are perceived a certain way is not giving somebody a legitimate opportunity. I just wish you have such an easy storyline there with these guys being tag team partners for so long. So easy. You could have done something. You could have done Titus trying to talk, you know, Darren Young out of being with Bob Backlund, or you know, just something. Just g- give it some build. Again, this is again you're starting this feud off with a match, so you've already seen kind of the payoff already, you know, in because the payoff is yeah. supposed to be a match, and um, and it, it, you know, Darren's the one kind of getting a little push right now, but then you have Titus win. I don't know. I, I just felt like it, it, it just felt like nothing. It just felt like filler, and you could have made it feel like more just by just by using yeah. the past history, build it up over a couple of weeks. Do you know? Do more than just a flash, you know, backstage segment. They're uh, both but, stud athletes that deserve better than that. Yeah, exactly. I just it, you just see that too many times with with storylines now that just happen just out of the blue when you could just take a little time to give a you know more of a story. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the problem with the, the Darren Young segments, I mean, I know I've talked about this before, too, in my mind, the star of those segments is Bob Backlund, and has continued to be, you know, he was in the promos, and he continues to be the star, now that Darren Young's wrestling these matches, it's like, I want to see what Bob's going to do. I want Bob to, you know, <laughs> rip his shirt off again, believe the suspenders on, that was a pretty sweet look. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, I could easily see this developing into, uh, you know, the, what they're going to do with Darren and Titus, but who knows? Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised in the coming weeks. Uh, the next match, which we touched upon earlier, was Nia Jax versus uh, Ariel Monroe. Um, and this, I felt like, did not have the same buildup that um, Braun Strowman's did. But I, I did make a note, uh, because both my wife and I thought the same thing, that uh, Ariel has a really great look. We were actually both like, yeah. we would have really liked to have seen more of her 
in this match. And I think that's where an intro, you know, or maybe extending the match might have helped when they have, you know, a local talent that, that maybe can do something, a little, you know, a little more that can go for more than just 60 seconds. But um, we touched upon it earlier, but compared to Braun, do you think they're handling Nia better or worse, Matt? I think just about the same. Braun, a slightly, if, if anything, Braun slightly better, and, and I don't think they're handling him better. I just yeah. think we've seen a little bit more of him. Um, we've seen him be a monster before. So I, I think we're conditioned to say Braun's being handled better when in reality they're being they're doing the exact same thing. It's identical. There's no difference. Yeah, Raj, you agree? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, but the thing I like about with with first, I think Nia Jax needs new music. I just feel like that does just yes. does not fit her at all. Um, yes. And her promo was just her reading the lyrics, just essentially her paraphrasing her entrance music. Where it's like, okay, they have like, what's Nia's character? Well, she's not like most girls. Uh, how so? Well, she doesn't take what she's given. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I mean. I mean that, that's as far as they've gone with this idea of who she is, what she wants. But Raj, I'm sorry, continue. But yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But I do think she's got a, you know, she's got a different look, and I, and they're not booking her like a karma, like a stereotypical monster. You know, she's just, yeah, a, a, you know, a, a bigger woman, and you know, they they said that she was a plus size model, and which is true. And uh, so, I, you know, I like that they're doing something different with her. But again, this is where I think this is where vignettes help. Uh, building a character, you know, using vignettes and stuff like that, as opposed to doing the same exact thing as you're doing with another guy on the show, uh, with yeah. building him with squash matches. And, you know, she she needs time to learn in the ring, but you also have live events and stuff, so you build mm -hmm. her up with vignettes, have her wrestling on the live events, and then, you know, you can do this, you know, in a month. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the next match, uh, everything old is new again. We had the New Day versus Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, with the uh, stipulated that Xavier Woods would not be allowed to perform in front of his hometown tonight. Um, what did you guys think of uh, of them uh, trotting this out again of New Day versus the Club? Raj, to you first. I thought this was one of those cases. I had, gosh, you know, I didn't, I didn't think this show was necessarily bad or anything. I know I'm saying, you know, I'm, you know picking at it a lot, but I just felt like this was one of those cases where both uh, teams look bad coming out of it. The club got beat quickly. Uh, you know, when you have the challengers losing quickly in their first, you know, in the title match, or I don't know if it was a title match or not, but you, you have the challengers losing right off the bat, and that's what's setting up the feud. Uh, I just think that's kind of backwards. But then you have them get beat quickly, so they look bad, and then they beat up the New Day, and Xavier Woods comes down, they beat him up, so they beat up the baby faces in a three-on-two fight. So then the New Day looks bad at the end. You know, so it, I don't it, know. It, Maybe I'm nitpicking. You know, no, with, 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 with what you said at the end, well, no, a little bit, yes, but at the end, no, you're spot on, in my opinion, because they're giving it back to the team that just did the job, if you will, and they... TNA used to do this all the time as well. Who cares? If you're going to put somebody over, then put them over all the way, not halfway. And I just think it's like, you know, you know the old saying, like, you can't be halfway pregnant, right? Well, that's what's kind of being left out there. You know, you, you, you just had them lose so quickly, but then, oh, we got to get them to have their heat back. You can wait till next week to get them their heat back. I don't even think they should have, I don't even think they should have lost that way, but, I, you know, that's a whole other story. Um, I just think that, you know, there's fans out there that want to see clean finishes. I remember when I was in TNA, that's all I kept hearing is, well, how come there's never clean finishes? And, God, it would be so much better if we did. 
Well, here they they they're, they are given actual finishes here, and we're we're, we're nitpicking it a little bit. Um, clean finishes are good, and I'm all for them. But when you're doing it at the expense of, especially you know the the club, like it's like one it's like two steps forward, one step back is what yeah. it felt like for me tonight. Not not anything on the guys, but with the booking of them. Yeah, I just felt like they could have, again, they could have just been more creative with it, you know? Like, Woods was yeah. banned from ringside. You could have had him come in and, and pin one of, you know, like, steal the pin, do that, like, twin magic thing that they used to do. And mm -hmm. so that way they're pissed at them, but they didn't legitimately lose, and then they kick the yes. crowd out of them afterwards. So at least, yes. you know, it's they're justified, and, and they lost due to cheating, and, you know, then they, yeah. then they get their heat back. But just losing yeah. clean like that that fast, I just thought... Uh, didn't do anyone any favors. See, I just think it's the booking. I feel like with New Day, they need to just rotate them against different tag teams, and it'll always be good if, as long as you keep it rotating. And in this case, it felt like they were going backwards to you know uh, who they were fighting with yeah. before the Wyatts. Um, and I feel like the club needs a badass tag team to feud with, to have something that really plays to their strengths. I mean, they're funny, and they're, they're charming, but it's just, it's such a different characterization that I don't think it could sustain. You know, I'm hoping this isn't the build-up to SummerSlam of New Day versus the club. I think that's kind of disappointing if that's where they, they end up with this. I feel like both of them should be facing someone a little more, you know, well-suited uh, to play off them. That's just, you know, my take on it. Um, so after that, we came out to Sheamus versus Cesaro, uh, and this was uh, preceded by a backstage segment that had uh, basically uh, both Sheamus and Cesaro claiming about, uh, pardon me, uh, complaining about their status within the company. Uh, Mick talked about how they were complaining about where they were drafted, and what I thought was really interesting was this logic and this line that Mick said, which was something to the likes of uh, Cesaro, we got a hold of the medical report that Shane got a hold of when he didn't draft you to SmackDown. It says that your shoulder could fail, but why don't you go out there and show us that you can that you can push it and be okay? It was it was <laughs> kind of a weird logic, like you could be one step away from a career-ending injury, and that's why SmackDown <laughs> did to take you. But uh, go out there and show us you can rub some dirt on it and make the magic happen. Um, but I thought that the match itself was—I thought the match itself was good. But I thought that was an, kind of a weird you know, pretext under which uh, to hold it. Uh, Raj, what did you think of uh, the match and the pairing itself? Yeah, I mean, Sheamus has, you know, really fallen down the uh, the pecking <laughs> order. You know, he was WWE champion in, in November. I mean, he's gotten like like the Miz when he fell off. It was, I mean, he's, because there was a time when he used to be protected like Randy Orton, mm -hmm. uh, you know, back when he was the babyface. Right. Um, it's just something for these guys to do. I, I don't, I don't, it's kind of one of those feuds where it doesn't really matter what happens either way. I don't see WWE taking either of them up, uh, you know, to the world title picture uh, at least anytime soon. So I think it's just something to, you know, give them something to do, and it's kind of like running in place. I agree completely. There's, no, there's really nothing to add to that. That's actually spot on. It's just neither neither one of these guys are going to get more over from 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 winning here. Neither one of them are going to lose any kind of steam by losing here. They're, you know, what I mean, they're they're where they're at, unfortunately, especially for Cesaro. I really think you know, he's another one I'm a big fan of watching. I enjoy watching all of his matches. Um, I, I I think he's still finding himself, and they need to just to get out of his way. You know, obviously he did come up with that suit gimmick. They did. Um, just stay out of his way. Let him. The only way a guy's going to get himself over is if you allow him to breathe. Breathing meaning let him be himself. 
You're like, we're seeing Charlotte do out there. We're getting her certain flubs out in the middle of her promos and things like that. We're watching her grow. That's the only way guys are going to get over is allowing to be themselves by hook or crook. You know, if something goes wrong, so be it. You keep going. You know, the fans aren't always in on every mistake that's made out there. Um, I just think Cesaro could be doing so much more. I mean, he makes his opponent. He's entertaining. He's gotten ten times more charismatic, I feel. Um, from where, from when he started, first started, I don't know what he is missing. I know everyone always says the same thing with that, but I thought he's put a lot more together since, you know, that Stone Cold podcast where, you know, Vince McMahon had come on and said what he said about Cesaro, you know, needing to find himself a little bit more in the thing that he's missing and things like that. I think he has found it, and I don't know what else he needs to do. I think they need to stay out of his way, though. Yeah. You know, I like the suit gimmick personally. I think that they capitalized on his resemblance to Jason Statham. They went all the way with it. And by giving him that, it allows him to maybe not have to talk as much. Because it seems to me that, you know, when he shoots and he's being sincere, it works. But in scripted promos, you know, sometimes, I don't know, I felt like he's stumbling a little bit. Or, you there, know. There's, an old, there's an old saying, when you imitate somebody, that's the first thing that comes to the fans' minds. Oh, yeah. There's been so many people that, that try to knock off the Road Warriors. That's the first thing that would come to the fans' minds when people when militia would come out. Let's be honest. I remember as a little yeah. kid, it's the first thing I always thought about, um, as good as they were. Um, same thing with that. You, you don't want them thinking Jason Statham. Um, you, you want them thinking Cesaro, you know, and he has enough of his own entity that's very different. He has his own mannerisms, his own everything that I think separates himself plenty enough. It seems like it's like three gimmicks that are on top that, that are strangling on top of him right now. <laughs> Yeah. You know, between that, his red T-shirt, wearing, still wearing the sunglasses and the thing on his sleeves, you know, just they just need to let him breathe, let him be himself. That's actually kind of awesome that he's like layers of gimmicks, like new gimmicks, literally on top of old gimmicks. That you know, and they're the ones off, doing it. He needs a, a, a Cesaro uh, kid shirt underneath that, you know, so he could just literally do layers, just peeling back his career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he, yeah, because yeah, the Bond thing. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Matt. Uh, he, he just, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd like for him to find himself. And I think he has, and every time he does, they kind of cut the legs, you know, his yes, legs from under him. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, and I think in the ring, I mean, he's one of my favorites in the ring, absolutely. I feel like he's he's just a wrestler in search of the right gimmick. Um, and, you know, I, I like the tearaway suit. I'm just a fan of tearaway clothing. I don't own any, but I feel like I should invest in some, personally. <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, last was it last year when he won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, or was that two years ago? Um, it wasn't this past WrestleMania, but was it last year's Mania? In the one before, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, he was hot, you know, coming off of that and, and breaking yep. up with the real Americans, and and then they just they threw him in with Paul Heyman, and all Heyman did with him was talk about Lesnar beating the streak, and he, and he should have been getting the streak, you know, breaking the streak over, but doing it at the expense of Cesaro, and uh, you know, it was just yeah. the worst you know, way to book him after when he was on such a hot streak. And how does that go? Like, oh, we're going to have Paul Heyman come out and talk for you. Oh, that'll be good. He'll put me over. No, he's going to talk about Brock mostly, but he'll work in a mention or two of you. Right. And then he was wearing that, like, Michael Jackson black jacket, you know, the, the shiny yes. sequins. And it was just a mess. I mean, and they turned him heel when he was getting his huge baby face reaction. I mean, they really... Uh, 
you know, really screwed that one up. But I really liked his promos he did uh, at Draft Center, you know, the night of the draft. I thought oh, yeah. that one seemed like he yeah. was just shooting. Un- unfiltered with Renee Young when he's just talking. I mean, the guy can talk and has a natural charisma. I just don't think that's what they're writing for him. He seems like one of those guys that you he should just have bullet points and not trying yes. to you know, recite a script. Yeah. Um, so after that, we uh, and Cesaro did win that match over Sheamus uh, once again. Yeah, and I think Sheamus is, yeah, Sheamus's career, like we talked about, uh, is you know he's he's kind of like premium enhancement talent, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. I mean Sheamus has a very recognizable gimmick, whether you like it or hate it, you recognize it. He's memorable, but he's one of those mm-hmm. guys. I mean, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, he was a world champion back in November, but he is he was really more like a plot point than an actual world champion. You know, he was the placeholder for the Roman storyline. Yeah, and again, with this match, once again, it was a, a match with a clean finish that's being used to build their feud. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, afterwards, they brawled to the back. and You know, again, I just don't see why you're supposed to care about a feud when it, you've already seen the clean finish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so after let me that, ask you guys, hey guys really oh, quick, let me, ask you, let me yeah. get your opinions on this one. Do you think maybe it's because after the draft they've They've dwindled themselves down so much on each roster that there is there just isn't a whole bevy of talent to choose from to to to, to that that have some rem, that have enough name recognition to do the job and what they need them to accomplish with say Cesaro going over tonight versus them having to use Sheamus and then start this angle or things like that. It just, it just doesn't feel like they have enough talent. Two words, Matt: Jinder Mahal. You know, they <laughs> bring back. You know, yeah. I can't wait till we get to that. But okay. yeah, well, that's that's the next segment. So uh, we had Heath Slater once again, the hottest free agent in sports entertainment, come out, and this time he brought with him Jinder Mahal. Uh, Mick Foley came out, said, "Hey, we only got room for one of you. Whoever wins this next match gets the contract." And of course, Jinder Mahal from behind in you know almost record time, not not quite finger poke of doom, but you know, close, uh, managed to get a pin on Heath Slater and uh, get his spot on the Raw roster. Uh, what do you think of this return, Matt, first? I, I, first of all, Jinder Mahal, if you didn't know him and you never saw him before, physically speaking, I'm saying you're clicking through the channels and you're stopping. I thought he looked like a star tonight, physically with how he looked. Now, anything he did, mm-hmm. not talking about anything from his past. Physically, he's a good-looking guy. He's in shape. He's tall. He's dressed the part. I thought he looked the part. Um I don't know why we needed to be reminded of 3MB. I, I get why, to, to, to shoehorn what they needed to do to make it make sense for him to be on Raw. I get that. And poor Heath Slater did not have a show still, which is the storyline. I get that. But it was at the expense of a guy you just brought back. Who who knows what you could have done with him? You could have just hit the reboot button on him and, and treated him completely different. I hope that's what they still have in mind for him because he can get it done in the ring. He does have a very different look, and I think he looks like a star, physically speaking. And, and you know, I, I, I agree with your point. And when, when I was saying that earlier about with Jinder Mahal, that wasn't uh, meant to be a knock at him personally uh, or his skills. Oh, yeah. it, it was just meant, like, right how he was booked. Him, yeah. He was booked as a job yeah. guy with 3MB. But that's who they're, you know, the guys they're bringing back right now are guys that uh, they didn't give a real great push to begin with, you know, with Rhino and Shelton Benjamin and some of these other guys. Um, so I, I, and I, I'm just... That's just kind of showcasing kind of how shallow the the talent pool is right now. Um, yep. Yeah, but yeah, I, I I agree. I think he it might have uh, served him better to not have his first appearance be with Heath Slater, uh, if you're planning to give this guy a bit of a push. 
Um, but at the same time, I did think it was entertaining. I think Heath Slater's entertaining as hell. Um, hell yes. I just, I just wish they could do more with him. I'm telling you, I know, I know we talked about this last week. I mean, it could just be a complete rumor, but if they really book him on indie dates, I think that's the best thing they could do, and they just keep him floating between shows. You know, I mean, I think that would just be a great little meta, you know, way for the WWE to do something really different and outside the box with Heath. Um, it's still going to be a comedic gimmick that they give the yeah. guy, though. I mean, I'm waiting hey, for time, Heath can man. get it done in them. I know, it's I know. True, it's true. I mean, Matt, but come he, on. I he mean, can get it done. He's, a, I mean, he's great I, I, in the ring. He's great on the mic. He deserves a legitimate chance, finally. Good Lord. I mean, I agree. There's a lot of uh, entertainers, uh, you know, who they never fully use to their potential in the ring. But I know for performers that I like, I feel like if they're on TV mm. every week or every other week, they're protected enough from getting cut that I feel like my emo- emotional investment in them is safe, you know? Like, that's my thing. So it's like it's like the same you thing with Golden loved Horn. You probably loved Little Horny running into a, an imaginary <laughs> hole in the wall, didn't you? You couldn't get yourself enough of that one, huh? <laughs> I, I think that gimmick, like a lot of a lot of gimmicks, kind of it almost makes me a little uncomfortable with the way that they do it. I'm with speaking, you know, Watch that and, with your friends. Watch that same yeah. with your friends. <laughs> I'm not saying Hornswoggle. I'm not going there. You know, <laughs> I'm saying that... I'm just saying, with, like, with Golden Truth, you know, I really like Gold Dust. I mean, as... You know, I think Dustin Runnels as a person is is really compelling and really interesting, and I'm glad that he's getting yeah. on TV each week. You know, I feel the same way about our truth. I mean, you find the guys that you like, and if you like them, I don't care what they're doing as long as it allows me to keep watching them. You know, well, why, why, and going to the Golden Truth. How, yeah. At least in my opinion, wouldn't it be more effective that you have these guys who have been in the business for such a long time with Dustin and R-Truth who just want to give it one more run and try to win the tag titles? Isn't that a, a way more effective story than you got these guys who, you know, Goldust is, you know, he's a legend and you're having him chasing Pokemon around and stuff. I, I just feel like there's a simple, sometimes the simple storylines and, and just giving it more of a, a serious feel I would just be way more effective and easily relatable than, than what they got going. I think they could do oh, that, yeah. but I think Goldust in his current incarnation is such a character and such a larger-than-life character that I think some people might have trouble taking that seriously um, because it's not a protected, um, like, you know, use it sparingly gimmick like Finn Balor with the demon. If Finn was in the demon paint every week within three months, there would be some goofy crap going on with Finn Balor if he was the demon uh. all the time. It would be like him and Demon Kane. It would be the demons as a tag team. The tag team from hell. You know? <laughs> but when you... And if Goldust only did the makeup every once in a while, I could see that happening. But I just don't think you could do that all the time and have people take it quite as seriously. I mean, even Sting got involved in some... You know, I mean, his character had, like, this mythical nature about him. But even he had some, you know, weird, weird uh, booking. Occasionally with storylines, so I don't know. That's that's my thoughts on on Golden Truth, as it were. Um, but I, you know what I like? The Gold Dust really commits to it. That it's hokey as hell, and he just goes with it. He's out there dancing, and just and God love him. I think to me that's a true professional. Someone that no matter what it is is like, okay, sure. You want me to go out there and weird people out with some weird like uh, you know uh, play to their homophobia in the '90s? Sure, I'll do that. What you know? What do you want me to do? You want me to go out there and look cool? I'll do that. You want me to go out there and dance to rap a guy? Okay, that's good. You know, it's like, I mean, that's that's a professional in my opinion. Um, so moving on uh, to the next segment in a second. But first, I want to remind everyone, speaking of uh, Gold Dust and Dustin Reynolds, to uh, not forget to try out DDP Yoga, specifically their awesome Max Pack used by the likes of Chris Jericho, AJ Styles, John Cena, 
Gold Dust, and tons of other WWE stars who love using DDP Yoga. You can get a special offer with three months of the app for free at ddpyoga.com slash wrestlinginc and the Resurrection of Jake the Snake documentary of the year. Now available on iTunes, Google Play, PlayStation, Amazon, and Vudu. Make sure to check that out and tweet DDP Yoga. Let them know that we sent you. You can also see the film on DVD, Blu-ray, and Netflix. And once you're looking good with DDP Yoga, and once you're in shape, you gotta you gotta have the clothes. And so for that, be sure to check out Trendy Butler, a fantastic clothing service that does all the work for you. You so select a style profile, and Trendy Butler has a stylist handpicked clothes that cater to you. Even better, for only $65, you get over $150 in designer clothes. I've tried it; it's fantastic. And the clothes I've gotten, I wear every week. And uh, so make sure to try it out, and you can also get an additional $10 off by using the code WRESTLING10 when you sign up. That's TrendyButler.com, and you can follow them online at TrendyButler. So after uh, the, uh, the Jinder Mahal reintroduction, earning his way into the Monday Night Raw roster, we had Sami Zayn versus Seth Rollins, which was uh, the main event of the evening. Uh, Raj, what did you think of, of that matchup, of the two going head-to-head? Uh, it was good. Uh, you you kind of knew what was going to happen. Um, I was kind of hoping that Finn Balor, you know, they they do the distraction finishes too much, so it's probably better that they didn't do it. But I was kind of hoping he'd make an appearance. But uh, you know, it was a, just a way to get Rollins a win. But yeah. the match was good. <clears throat> Matt, I, you know what? I, same thing. I, I was thinking, I, I was hoping we'd see something out of Finn come out, you know, toward the end there, do something, but. As the match was progressing, I was like, you know, I'm a Sami Zayn fan too, though, you know, so I was like, I'd like to see him get a full match in here. Um, as the match progressed, uninterrupted, and, and it was a great match. Two two stud athletes in the ring again. Um, the whole new era, like I dig the whole new era, I really do. Um, I love guys like the, the Sami Zayn. Um, he's he's another organic baby face, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's, it's he's so easy to fall in love with as a fan. Um, and I know, I know our boy, uh, Vince Russo was pretty harsh on him when he first started, but <laughs> Still I wish he was on the show. I wish he was on the show right now because I tell him right to his face. We have the answer right in front of you. The answer is the crowd, the, the reaction. Do they not still light up when he comes out? Yes, they do. They might not sing a song every single time, but that's the song. That's not him being over. They still react to Sammy and they react to him pretty favorably. So I'd say the kid's done pretty well for himself. Um, an exceptional talent. He's only going to get better. He's he sells better than any other babyface that I know of right now. He's very believable. Yeah, and I thought it was a solid match. I think these two, if they if they ever give them the chance to do a feud in a storyline and really build and develop, I mean, I think they have a really classic match in them. I felt like tonight was good, but and that's what it really did is made me you know sort of hope that post SummerSlam maybe we'll see them in a storyline against each other so we get the classic match that I think they can really put on. Yeah. Really quick, do you know what else it is? Is it's because you guys, we, you know, we watch the stuff. We know it. We know a lot about it. We know the inner dealings of how the business works, pretty much for the most part. So it's it, it's we're watching this with a different set of glasses than the average fan would, if you will. I'm watching it same way with, with way, what way you're watching as well, Glenn. Going, I hope he can kill it tonight, and it shows them yet again he can be a main event caliber talent if booked properly. So hopefully, after the next you know title, def- you know the, whoever becomes the first champion, he's still seen in that light. Sami Zayn, I'm talking about, and he gets his opportunity as well. You know that's why you know I, I didn't mind tonight's you know finish and and, and uh, Finn not coming out because it was a definite uh, proven ground match for Sami Zayn, 
who again sold his ass off. Well, what do you guys? Uh, I was getting some of the podcast stuff together during this match. Did, did the crowd reaction seem there? It's in the very beginning when he's sitting there on the steps in his entrance and he's waiting for the fans to sing the song. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. They they really weren't tonight. But as far as him in the middle of the match, the most important part of when a babyface needs to be over or not is during is getting that sympathy from the crowd and them chanting for him. And that's exactly what was happening. They were very loud for him during the cell. Um, he did he did very good tonight. I thought. And obviously Rollins is right next to Owens. I love watching Rollins. He's a very close second place for me. His guys, I love to watch and will not miss any of their matches. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I love watching Rollins too. I think he, he could be their top baby face right now if they changed how they handled his return. Uh, but yeah. that's, a, that's another story for another day. <laughs> but he's so good. He's so good as just a smug bastard, you know? I mean, it's just, yeah. I love that about him, you know? Uh, to get the heat he does with the moves and offense oh, yeah. he does, that says a lot about him as a heel. And it was brilliant that as a champion, they just had him as like a crapped-upon champion who couldn't catch a break and just had, you know, all this, this yes. static thrown his way. And I love that from a storyline perspective. I mean, he's fantastic in the ring, but as a character, to me, that just felt like, okay, this is entertainment, you know? Um, so we went from that to Paul Heyman, who, uh, you know, I read, renewed his contract with the WWE. So uh, he was out to introduce the appearance by uh, the ninth mayor, no, the nightmare, no, the nightmare of Suplex City. Sorry, I've seen that 2K17 ad far too much, and really, it sounds like ninth mayor. I hear that every time. The ninth mayor of Suplex City. Um, so Paul was out there to hype up Brock, uh, you know, talked smack about Randy Orton. What was that, for like a good five minutes? It seemed like it went on pretty long. Uh, and then the segment ended with Randy Orton's surprise appearance, RKO out of nowhere, literally a cross-brand RKO, uh, the first uh, SmackDown signed performer to appear on Monday Night Raw. They waited, what, an entire week to, to bust that one out. Um, what, did you, what did you think of the segment as a whole? Matt, to you first. I know you have some history with Brock. I, but, uh, just yeah. just, just simply from the, the, the branding standpoint, I, could, I hated it. I hated yeah. that, he, that Randy was there at all. I, I just... It, there was nothing. Nobody was buying Stephanie in the background screaming and yelling, he can't be here, get him out of here. Nobody's buying that crap. Um, it was one what, a week or two after the brand uh, uh, draft. You've got to be kidding me. Like, yeah. this was the one thing we were assured was not going to happen. And boom, it happens. It's very tough to trust them. Yeah, and they knew about, you know, it's not like, you know, they the match happened after and they had to find a way to to work out the kinks. They you know, they 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 set the match before the draft. So they could have easily for the draft just said that since this match is set, Lesnar and Orton aren't uh, can't be drafted until after SummerSlam. And, or you know, do something like that. Raj, they're both plenty big enough stud stud stars to where neither they did not need for people going. Well, where's the heat? Uh, you know, one needs to come cross over the show eventually before SummerSlam. What do you you know? How long are we gonna wait here? You you, you wait the whole time. That's what you do because they're both frigging stars. They don't need to have any physical confrontation or or or, or promos one on one in the ring stare downs. They don't need that. They're that big of stars. They don't they don't they didn't need anything like that. Yeah, it, they both could have stayed on their shows. 
Yeah, that's true, and just cut their promos on separate shows. Yes. Uh, the, yes. the RKO, though, I, I will say this: it was a cool RKO because I, oh, yeah. you, you, the way Paul Heyman was doing it, you, you kind of you felt it was coming, but uh, yep. you know, I almost I expected agree. them to like hit Orton's music and then he comes from behind. The way he did it, I did not see that. You know, I did not see that at all, and it was just bam, he got hit. So that was a cool mm-hmm. spot, but I agree. I, you know, they they compromised the integrity of the draft a week after. You know, their first full week of doing it. But, um, you know. Uh, oh. I would even, they're, they're, they're both such, just like, just, just over the over the moon type stars for this company, okay? That, they, they have such brand awareness, just those two alone, that I dare say they both could get this match over separately, just doing simple com interviews. That yeah. That's... They don't even have to be on each on the show, is what I'm saying. That that's that's why I don't get why they would jump the shark this quick, or jump the gun rather this quick, and have Randy do that. You know, show up on Raw like that. There's there's no need for it. Matt, I, I got a question for you. Since you having worked with Brock, what do you think of them never having him talk? Like, he, you know, how was he backstage? Did he, you know, did he talk much? You know, did he, could he cut a promo? Yeah. When it's about athletics again, because again he's a stud athlete that that believes he's the beast. He absolutely believes that, and he should. But he, in that type of setting, he he's very very good. And I thought he when when I was there, he was he was really at the top for him of his promo game. Um, that said, there is no question he's ten times more valuable with. Paul Heyman out there as his mouthpiece. Brock has this innate, even even me knowing knowing him, walking by him, talking to him, he has this innate, uh, I don't know what the word is, not ability, but but this this, this vibe he gives off that that he if, if like he said he if today were like the, like the old times he would damn sure be a Viking that would be going into people's towns, you know, in villages and taking whatever the damn nail hair he wants <laughs> and he would be king. And no one would say or do a damn thing about it. He gives that vibe off. I, I don't know what that vibe is because that was like three sentences. But, you know, he's a badass in every sense of the word. He doesn't play a badass. He is a badass. And when you're that badass, you, you just you just have to sit there. It's a look. It's, it's a stare. It's just this vibe you give off. And he has that. So why not let somebody else do the talking because you run the risk of losing that if he's not able to nail every single promo out of the ballpark by himself, you know? Yeah, I agree, but I just wonder him saying a few words here and there just to kind of put in, you know, a kind of a, a sentence at the end of some of these promos. Yeah, um, but he yeah. Definitely, do, definitely do that for sure, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, th- I thought that, kind of like what you guys were saying, I mean, I don't know that the SummerSlam match needs that much of a buildup between Brock and Randy. I mean, just sort of saying the names. You know, I like the idea that Randy would almost talk smack and then Brock would then just show up at SummerSlam and maybe settle it there if, if it's going to be just, you know, like a, a hard-fought match. But, you know, if Brock's going to win, I like the idea that Randy would just maybe be the one to do all the antagonizing leading up to it. But, uh, yeah, but the crossover, man, I mean, that was like their whole card. You know, they could have been sitting on that, like, oh, just wait till we do that first surprise appearance cross-brand. Yeah. And it's like, nope, we are eight days into the new era. 
and uh, already already burned. Yeah, but to be fair, they did try to have it like they were trying to get him, you know, capture him and have security after him. So they did try to at least, at least they didn't have him just end with an RKO and, and looking over him or something. <laughs> like that. I was going to have someone out there with the butterfly you... nets trying to, you know, capture him. No, I know it's, you know, it's, it's hokey, but at least they tried something. <laughs> Raj, so you're telling me if you were there and you were the fan sitting there up next to Randy as Randy's doing his little pose at the end, and you're that black guy, instead of putting your hand over Randy's chest as Randy was doing that as the show closed out, would you be screaming there go, oh my god, how are you here? You're supposed to be on SmackDown. I can't believe it. I'll never forget this day. This is the day you showed up on SmackDown. Come on. You'd be like, this is crap. They lied to us. They lied to us again, damn it. <laughs> yeah, keep running, Cat. I, I think didn't I describe it that uh, one of my first podcast appearances here that that Vince McMahon is like the abusive stepfather that makes you really think it's going to go one way, and then he just swerves you and like dashes your hopes and dreams. You know, yeah. it's like tells you one thing, <laughs> like you're going to get that puppy, son, and then like, nope, decided not to get you one. Why? Didn't feel like it. You know, I'll just, tell you well, one more I'll thing. Tell you right now, playing devil's it's called, the, it's called the golden. It, it's it's called that golden ring. But I digress. Yeah. <laughs> but to, to play devil's advocate, I think everyone thinks Lesnar's going to win that match. So by having Art, you know, Orton do, do deliver an RKO kind of gives it that, okay, so he can hit it, it can happen, he's got a chance. Maybe. He'll show up every week on Raw and do a drive-by RKO. But, but, but <laughs> listen, Randy is so, is, is so established, I, I don't have any doubt he can hit that. I don't need to see that to know Randy Orton can hit it. I need to see... If Sami Zayn can hit his finish, I'm Brock. I need oh, to yeah. see if, if to a degree, Rollins, um, uh, these newer guys, uh, if they could. Um, that's, you know, not Randy, not a Cena, not guys that have been, in, you know, bred to be the face of the company for so many, much of the last 10 years, you know. No, that's like saying, could Triple H hit the pedigree on Brock? Yeah, hell yes, he could. We all know he could. We don't need to see him do it weeks in advance to know that. <laughs> Yeah, although now I'm thinking of it, I want to see Sammy hit that driver, the the complete 360 flip move on Brock. I didn't know I wanted that. Now I want that. <laughs> yeah, Vince would never allow that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was probably a size requirement for for that yeah, to affect. Brock will never let that happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, well, I think that just about covers this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Uh, Raj, to you first. Any final thoughts on on the show? Uh, no, it just it, it's kind of by the numbers, uh, just kind of you know keeping things in place, and uh, as we head towards SummerSlam. Cool, Matt. Any final thoughts? I, I, yeah, it, it definitely was nothing like last week's. I expected to be like I said early, but uh, it, it moves along a few storylines. It, it is what it was. I would like to see more. Um, uh, I, into this show, I most thing I, I was most excited to see was what they were going to do with Finn Balor and, and, and Rollins, honestly. Um, and it leaves a little bit, a little bit to be desired, you know. Um, I'm, I'm nitpicking, obviously, but is is what Raj said pretty much, honestly. Yeah, I think my criticism to build off what you just said, Matt, it's it's not that this week's episode was bad. It's just that last week's episode was so good. That yeah. I mean, it just made this one look pretty bad by comparison. And, and WWE, they never do that. They never follow a hot raw with another one. You know, it's always yeah. you have these really hot shows like <clears throat> the Postmania show, and then it just dies the week after. And just be great to see them do like three weeks in a row. You know, and get some momentum going. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Well, guys. 
Thanks for joining us, everyone for listening. Thanks for listening once again. We'll be back here on Wednesday at 9 a.m. to talk about this week's episode of SmackDown to see how they follow up last week's uh, episode that was a little lackluster compared to Raw. And, of course, we'll be back here next Monday, same time, right after Raw ends, to talk about Monday Night Raw to see what they do to follow this up next Monday night and SmackDown Wednesdays at 9 a.m. And uh, real quick, Pacific. That's, yeah, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Yes, 9 Pacific, noon Eastern. I'm on Pacific time. Uh, this weekend, uh, I'm off to two WWE live events in uh, luxurious uh, Stockton and Fresno, California. Uh, so I'm curious to see how those go. And from what I understand, just quick note, so the rosters aren't touring separately yet. They're still touring together. Is that correct, Rush? Uh, yeah, I think that probably ends in a week or two. But yeah, yeah that's cool. correct. I'm curious who I'll get to see. Cool. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. And again, you know, if you like the podcast, subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating, and we'll see you back here on Wednesday, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, to talk about SmackDown. Until next time, I'm Glenn Rubenstein. On behalf of myself, Raj Geary, and Matt Morgan, you can find us all on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you here soon. Ciao. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.